podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap in association with Redsbet. Redsbet partnering with the Anfield Wrap in 2018. Uh, they are the bookmaker who give 50% of their profits, your losses, to Liverpool fan-related causes. Uh, if you are someone who gambles, please consider doing so through Redsbet. If you're not, that's not for you. And do always, always, regardless, be gamble aware. Mike Nevin, Rob Gutman, Adam Smith, Christian Welsh to talk about Liverpool 4, Cardiff City 1. And... Um, I'm going to start actually talking about Cardiff. We wouldn't normally do this. Uh, Rob Gutman, I think they are the poorest uh, Premier League side I've seen in in memory, to be honest with you. I'm not saying they're the poorest ever. I'm not going to go down that route. I can't be sure about that. But they're certainly the poorest I've seen turn up to Anfield. I think that that's something which may not have come over to people, uh, even if they were watching the game fully on a stream as to exactly how 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 poor they were. And I think that's a compliment to their manager because he's got up for me. He has managed to get promoted with a mid-table championship side at best. Yeah, it is a bit of a silk purse out of a sow's ear, this one. I I did a little bit of... I paid them the respect of doing some research on them before writing a preview piece. I mean, they had... They, you had we, to do it at some point, didn't you? Oh, I know, I was digging deep. <laughs> I found out who was injured. I found group group of lads I'll never meet again. Um, I never heard of since and more before. But they, they did win last week. So if they're, if they're the worst in Premiership history, Fulham are coming up on the rails... Um, I mean, I thought... Fulham have I've conceded 28 goals in 10 games. Which is uh, a world record since the beginning of time, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> to be strict about it. Yeah, I, I don't... It, the funny thing is, you say this, so the funny thing is Liverpool are pretty decent these days and we make a lot of teams look like the way Cardiff looks. So whether they're going to be that shit or not, they're going to get to look that shit. And that's within the context of an, not the most vintage Liverpool 4-1 victory of all time. So... Yeah, I'm going to agree with you whilst wanting you not to say that again because I think you're damning Liverpool with uh, something, something. Don't worry, I'm going to damn Liverpool with a lot more. Uh, Adam Smith, uh, it was it was a game where I thought Liverpool get the early goal. It's the thing that you say you want. We all say, you know, you know what we just need here? We just need to get an early goal. We get it. There's then a mad kerfuffle, and I'm going to let you talk about the referee, Adam. I know you like to do that. Uh, there's a mad kerfuffle um, where Liverpool should probably get a penalty and or their goalkeeper gets sent off, I think. I think I'm right in saying. Uh, and then from there, um, not that much happens. I think that's the frustrating part, is that Liverpool, Liverpool go into almost play in front of Cardiff a little bit in that first period. Yeah, I think the thing with the goalkeeper... I watched. I've watched it a couple of times, and I still can't really see whether he touched it with his hand or his foot. So I can see how he doesn't get sent. I, I, I can absolutely understand that because I don't think it's like, I don't think it's clear as day what what happens. The thing with the defender, it's it's mental. It's not a penalty. He, he puts two arms underneath his armpits and drags him to the floor. It's a, it's a penalty. It's just there's not even. It's not even like I mean, especially in the in the context of seeing the penalty that Manchester United got yesterday when a player won the ball. It's absolutely insane. And I think you know I'm not going to talk about the referee because I just think it's it's got to the point now where it's just ridiculous. But I do think that Jurgen Klopp needs to start talking about it because this is very reminiscent of I think it was 13, 14, wasn't it, when we were singing we're going to have a party when Suarez gets. To pair was that 13 for the season before, the before, season before, before. where we were, we just weren't getting penalties for anything, anything at all. And Tottenham have had more penalties at Anfield than Liverpool since the beginning of last season, and that's fine if you if we're a team that doesn't really get in the box very much or you know those sorts of things, but we're in the box 
all the time. Even on the law of averages, it's mental that Tottenham have had more penalties than we have at home. And so I think it's got to the point where we started getting penalties when the cops started singing, we're going to have a party when Suarez gets a pen. And then we became penalty pool. We were getting a penalty every week and everyone was going, oh my God, Liverpool never stopped getting penalties. And that's that is we're going to continue having stonewall penalties denied until the manager or the cop takes it into their own hands and starts to doing something about it because it's absolutely bonkers. What I think on this, Mike, I think there is an element... Um, and listen, maybe I'm wrong, and I don't like to talk about referees, but I think you can talk about referees after you've won four one in a game where you know it, it could and probably should have been more. The gulf between the two sides was massive, so let's do that. Let's say this now. You know, this, we're not saying the referees affected the impact, the, the result of the game, or anything like that. So we can say one of the things I just think at times with watching the referee in this season, certainly at Anfield, is it almost feels like it's refereeing of an under 11s game where mm-hmm. one side's significantly better than the other, and it's almost like the referees are going, "Well, we can't. We've got to give them a chance. Have we? we can't give them everything." You're like, yeah. "Well, just give what." in front of you yeah I mean that's that's, I mean, that's easy enough to say and I also think that there's still this thing about referees where Anfield's the one place where you can come and prove yourself a little bit, bit as a ref that isn't leaned on too easily by the crowd and on Saturday there wasn't a massive atmosphere um, so it could quite I mean, it was so easy for him to give that penalty why he does it I've no idea um, I think is it over a year I think since we've had a penalty in the, in the league at Anfield um, which just, just seems remarkable as Asim says the amount of time we spend in the box uh, to think that no foul has been committed on a Liverpool player during that period is uh, beyond conception. Christian Walsh. Yeah, I saw a statistic yesterday after Crystal Palace's two penalties and, and they've had more penalties than, than any other team since, you know, X whatever year, which when you think about how much time they spend in the penalty box compared to Liverpool is, is fascinating. I think Bournemouth were up there in the top three as well. So I think Neil's point about an under-11s game, it does feel like, oh, you know, come on, I know, you know, you're so much better than these, so I'm not going to give you a hand as well. But ultimately, it's the laws of the game. It, yeah. it should be allowed. It's I've seen a number of Stonewall penalties denied at Anfield. It, it is very frustrating. I've Adam. seen City denied a few, you know, where I think there was a, a period around about sort of February last year where when you're watching City games closely and you're going, that's just a pen. But because they're so on top, you feel like the referees go, we'll be back in the box. Yeah, anyway. exactly. You know, you'll get another chance. You're already 3 0 up. It doesn't really matter. Or you will be 3 0 up very soon. So, uh, to try and see, Bournemouth and Palace were definitely two of the top three in terms of the most penalties um, in the past maybe five years, which is just astounding, really, when you think about it. it it's, it what throw, it throws it to stark contrast to what happens in the week, isn't it, against Red Star Belgrade? And we, we get two penalties. We all come out of the ground feeling a bit guilty about those penalties. They are actually penalties. I well, mean, the fouls in the penalty area. The fouls in the penalty area. <laughs> I mean, I mean, without sparking a whole VAR thing, I mean, they don't have VAR in the week, but they have the extra official. And I think the referee, when you've got the extra official, VAR is like having an extra official. The referee can't can't quite referee within the, the context Neil's describing, going, I create the narrative here. I'm the one who wants to make this fair because he's got to look somebody else in the eye and somebody else in the eye. And I think that's, that's what's needed in our game. It is a bit mad. Uh, on the team selection, Chris, it's interesting the change that the manager makes. So that you know, he, he goes Lallana in Fishkiri, uh, he goes Moreno in uh, left back, and he, he goes with Lovren centre half. Uh, rests rests Gomez. Doesn't rest any of the front three. Um, why do you think he doesn't rest any of, of what we call the front three? I forget about that great unknown tangible of momentum, and I'm not really believe of momentum as because you can't really quantify it. But I do feel so. You look at the, the previous couple of games, and Mohamed Salah scored the Huddersfield. He's played well against Red Star. We can't really leave him out because it doesn't really make sense. Look, Roberto Firmino, he always plays better from the start for me. He's yeah. almost a, a non-entity as a substitute a lot of the time, PSG aside. 
you remember the West Brom game last season away from home he came on and he, he was just, he was you know a detriment to Liverpool yeah. a detriment to Liverpool <laughs> uh, it was a minus mark uh, and then you've obviously got Sadio Mane who missed the penalty but scored against Red Star Belgrade but you know he's finally broken that duck so I think it's all about for, for Jurgen Klopp about just that confidence that finally showing that front three finally showing that confidence uh, that's why I think that he kept the the front three well that's why he brought the front three back against Red Star because he thought this was an opportunity to get a few goals and 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 you know this longer way to click that everybody's waiting for uh, this season. They did it against Red Star, so it would be d- detrimental to take them out and, and 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 shuffle it around again against the Cardiff side. Also, you know, Arsenal's seven days away, yeah. so they've mm. well they've got they've got plenty of time to rest, recover. If you can play the strongest from three, go for it. Yeah, and I think also that there's still doubts about Liverpool's midfield creativity, and you're looking for the the, the thrust, the ingenuity really to come to come from the front three players, um, and that's been the case all season. All all of them have struggled a little bit individually, and I think that I mean, although Chris said there they, they're getting a little bit of that fluency back, I, I still feel there's a little bit of a sense of them all playing. Uh, separately, they're not, not still not quite click, clicking as a unit. You seem to be getting moved around a little bit. On Saturday, I thought uh, Salah seemed to be the more most the mainly central player, whereas in in midweek, I thought Firmino was excellent in a more of a traditional uh, centre forward role. I think that's where he operates best. So I think just by playing them through this 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 period, getting them all into peak form, there's, there's going to be stiffer tests ahead. And equally, there's still this this concern, isn't there, about breaking teams down? And if you leave one of those players out and it gets to an hour and you're still not in front, then again, as Chris said there, bringing Firmino on, does he influence the game in the same way? And also still doubts about Sturridge's effectiveness uh, from the start. He's been mostly effective as a sub. So I think it... Klopp is going to play his front three more or less relent- relentlessly as the season wears on. I don't, I don't really think that's going to change. I, I, yeah, I, I think the key factor is just the spread of games here. I think he's been able to manage this this phase really, really well. He's made nice little changes here and there. Um, I think what helped, I think what might have influenced his thinking is it quietly went unnoticed amidst all the sort of concern around injuries. In the international break, most of our main lads only play a solitary game. So in that week, that fortnight, there was only a game in between our two games. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like we've been playing every... Salah and Mane and Firmino have not been... Okay, haven't actually, with wrestling, haven't been playing every three days now for week, weeks on end. That just is, simply isn't the case. And as Chris says, there's another full week to Arsenal. It actually would have been pointless resting them. I think the resting he does, the restings he do, does do is Andy Robbo, who's played every single game, full stop. So somewhere he's got to get a break. And he plays twice in the international phase. Gomez again, he has had injury concerns. You've got to you've got to take a chance every now and again and rest him. And Lalana, you want to play back into form, so I, I can see that. I was about to say, do you think Rob does something? Any the, the the lads he goes with, he wants he wants to get Lalana playing. Mm. Uh, he he, start, he starts him and he actually gives him longer, which we'll come on to against Huddersfield. But he wants to get Lalana playing. I think Robertson could just be. I need to drop him out. But he also he he clearly wants to feel like Lovren's an option. He starts Lovren against Manchester City. The idea Lovren ends up going elongated periods without kicking a ball. It might be that he's, for instance, not planning to start him against Arsenal. At which point he's then going to start him against Red Star. And and then, but if he doesn't play this one, I mean, just that gap's ten days. So he may well be thinking, I need to keep these lads with some degree of rhythm of playing football. Yeah, I mean, I, we're seeing a situation where, which is what we've always wanted to be, past the first eleven. And although I think Gomez and, and Van Dijk are the men, or Gomez in, in, in Gomez's case, he's the man in possession of the shirt. I think every Liverpool fan would agree with that right now. 
It's not Lovren's not light years behind. Shakiri's not necessarily in Liverpool's best eleven at the moment. Although, for a lot of people, I mean, yeah, why not? Though, why not? Yeah. And you can you go across the midfield and go, you know, you can pick five lads there. You say our our first eleven. So our first eleven has become. I know the cliche. It's a squad game, but often it isn't a squad game. In fact, often you don't have a first eleven. You have a best of first eight, three who you'll put up with, and then five who are a drop down. Now we've got about. 14 or 15 who are genuinely interchangeable. I think the, I think where you want to be with City is where maybe you get six, 17 who are interchangeable, but it's just a, it's a sign of that's that's where we're going, that's where we come from. Um, we go one up, Adam, and I thought we started the game really, really brightly. Uh, I thought Liverpool, as I say, up until that kerfuffle, um, after the one nil up. The thing that I, that was just in my mind was three Cardiff players on the deck at 1-0. Like three of them have thrown themselves in. One's got injured, got a little bit of a knock rather than injured uh, in, in in doing so. The other two just sort of lying there like, oh God, we've conceded this early, winning for such a long afternoon. And then it just goes so flat. It just goes so, so flat. I, I Last season, I spoke a lot in the games where we dropped points. The games against the likes of West Brom and Everton and that, that sort of thing where really you'd feel like we should win, especially after scoring, where we should push on a little bit. And I spent a lot of time theorising that Klopp was trying to get them to learn how to win games without having to go 100 miles an hour every single time. And I think this season we're seeing that come to fruition. Now, we as supporters might be in the ground, watching at home, whatever, wanting to see them scoring four in the first half, wanting to go crazy. I think that the, 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 the stats are proving it as well, aren't they, with the, with the pressing stats that something like when we're, when we're behind or drawing, the pressing is really heavy. And then as soon as we take the lead, the pressing just drops off. The whole intensity of the game drops off. And I think that, I don't think he's got it right yet. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not well, saying that I thought it was good against Cardiff, but I do think that we're maybe panicking, not panicking is maybe not the right word, but we're maybe a little bit disappointed in the performances when actually what we're seeing is the players learning how to not go 100 miles an hour. I'd have, I, I, I would have and do have a little bit of sympathy for that point of view, but the manager all the way through the first half was doing that thing with his arms where he does big circles, like, come on, lads, you know, like, 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 like raise it all the way through. We just kept doing this but that's every time I looked at him. So that's what I'm, you're saying there, that you think they might be going further off the gas yes, than he was. exactly. So I think, I think they're not quite getting it yet. I think they understand that they don't have to go full pelt every game. And I do think that, you know, the, the reality is that prior to the match, we've conceded three goals in the league, haven't we? So it's not... You know, the, the defence is now dependable. So a goal now compared to last season means that it's, we've pretty much won the match. It, depending on the opposition and depending on the circumstance, if we were 1-0 up against Arsenal, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But against the likes of Cardiff, I think 1-0 up at home, we've won the match. So they are maybe misunderstanding just how much the manager wants them backing off the pedal. But I do think that that we as supporters are wanting to see them go 4, 5, 6-0 up in the, in the first half. But the manager's going, if we go in 2-0 up, um, that's game done. It's an interesting balance to strike, isn't it? Because Liverpool were yet again uh, a goal line clearance away from another goal on 45 yesterday. They, they seem to have made a real um, a real inclination to, to score late on in the first half. And it does feel like maybe they are trying to manage that first half, get an early goal or get a goal to sort of set themselves and try and get that, you know, try and get one in the last five minutes. And I'm thinking of Palace, I'm thinking of West Ham. Was it Leicester as well? That was a 45th minute goal. And then Adam Lallana as well. I mean, it's all ifs and buts, but if that goes and they go in 2 nil up and everybody goes, well, they managed that first half absolutely perfectly. I think it's a I think he is very mindful of the of the, the season ahead, but it is about understanding exactly when to take the foot off the gas. Liverpool, up until about 60 minutes, were on for the 
I think it was the Premier League record for possession ever. I think they were on about 84%. Um, and then it obviously dropped off a little bit after they got the second goal. I just think it's it's one of those situations where he, he's looking at what's to come and he just feels like we can't go full pelt. I agree with Adam. It's just about picking your moments not to do that. I think against Cardiff, you can afford to maybe go two or three and up and then take your foot off the gas because Liverpool are so much better than Cardiff that they can get that free goal cushion and have 45 minutes off in the second half. I think it's really difficult to raise yourself against the quality of opposition as well. I mean, Cardiff are so limited in ambition um, and Liverpool like to play in bursts, um, but they, didn't, they don't really get the chance to, to play to play in those bursts. I've had those uh, surges of pace through the middle when you've got such a deep line defence. I and mean, they've got absolutely no intent on on really sort of getting through the game without just escaping or hiding. That's so why that. not why not take more chances? Because that was what there, was frustrating. There does me. seem to be a lack of of players running running uh, through midfield, and I, there's been quite a lot of disruption in midfield. I mean, some of it's been forced, obviously. With I think you know early in the season you had the Kaiser and Henderson being swapped around. Obviously, both of those are injured, um, so it's not been a familiar midfield over the last three games. And I, I just thinking back the way the season uh, sort of panned out so far, our best performance I think was against Chelsea, where there's a real tempo to the game. So you take that tempo away, and you haven't got the ability to counter attack because you're so dominant. Then Liverpool look begin to look a little bit more pedestrian. But I think that's just you know just playing within yourself and just controlling games. And I think they did they did that adequately enough. I think we're all obsessing over results that Manchester City are getting, where they're 3-0 up at half-time, the game's done and dusted. And it colours your perception, I think, of halves where you just go in the, I'm, the one goal up. I'm more, Mike, what I liked about last season with Liverpool and what I think, and I do take the idea that maybe, just maybe, there's a bit of a thing of, we're going to go big to five before the break. I think that, you know, Christian might be right to point that out. But I'm more, forget Man City, I'm more, as ever, really, where this league's concerned, Ferguson United. And Ferguson United could be patient as anything until he went 1-0. But at the best, they'd then be absolutely like like rabid dogs until mm. they went 2-0. And that's what, what was frustrating me was and 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 when Milner and Shakiri came on, I thought you saw from Milner and Shakiri maybe they both demanded the ball. They both made runs beyond. They both did slightly unlikely things. And I was just watching Liverpool just end up... I, I felt like Cardiff roped up Liverpool a little bit. Like, they just sort of got them to... They almost managed to cage them. Uh, mm. Like, like we're going to bore you into submission here by doing so little. And it was like Shaqiri and Milner, when they came on, went, well, we don't, we're not going to stand for that. We're going we're gonna to just do stuff and try stuff and make runs and, and scream for it. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, they're both, they're both energetic players, and Shaqiri in particular... And- in particular, obviously, when he when he comes on, he grabs the game by the scruff of the neck. There's real intent about him. He wants to get on the ball all the time. That was lacking a little bit in the first half. But I do think it's a question of Cardiff dragging Liverpool down to their level. Um, there's no pace in the game, and it, I think it's difficult. I mean, Rob and I will we'll go back to seasons, you know, way back when we've won titles. I've seen that game a hundred times. I was, before. That's exactly um, what I was thinking. Mate. And I took a lot of comfort from it. Really, is that Liverpool mm. really played in two spurts? The ten minutes that you described at the start, and then the ten minutes. To towards the end and it was only really when Cardiff scored and gave us a minor shot that we suddenly just injected any kind of pace and, and real sort of desire or concern that we weren't going to win the game as soon as that as soon as that passed we were fine Do we feel like the opposition are having a, an effect on this compared to last season because Liverpool's defence was an obvious Achilles heel last season you'd have teams come to Anfield and think well we can score one or two here we can get on the front foot get on the front, uh, front foot and then 
you know, the space to play. I'm thinking about the Bournemouth game. I'm thinking a little bit about Watford, albeit Liverpool scored early on. Whereas this season, they know they're not going to get many chances. So it is a case of have what they hold straight from kickoff. We saw this when Brighton came with Chris Hewn, and Neil, you've talked about this, where people go, one nil, one nil down is not a bad score. Get to 60, one nil down. Um, and I think once you're up against teams with that mindset, it's it's not handy when you score to it. There's, there's a sweet spot of when you should score, when, when you're laying siege to a team, and it's about 17 minutes, I think. Anything before about eight is, is slightly dodgy territory because, because you've spent all week preparing to score a goal. That, especially in a game like this, Liverpool spend the entire week to score that first goal. And when you accomplish that feat early on, it's difficult. And you're right to, to compare to the, the United-Ferguson teams. I do think they set out to, to get the second. I actually think we're quite good at it. But Mike's right. In, in terms of looking at it from above, from a distance, from the, in the cool light of day, that is a consummate title-winning performance. That I think it's absolutely perfect because we were able to achieve the first objective. And despite being naturally disjointed by the selection which was which was necessary between being having to deal with a team that was going to park the bus after it had parked the bus and parked the bus again after we'd scored uh, and we were able to come and come again at, at the key moments in the game through sheer quality it wasn't like we went up the other end and Coutinho blammed one in from 35 yards when we decided to score again we did through quality movement and quality and, and, and our top players showing their best I thought it, people were almost oh, a bit euphoric after the Spart, Spart, uh, Spartak, Red Star Belgrade performance in the week. I thought this was the more impressive in a certain sense. I think that point about Coutinho is a really good one because I think last season when we struggled to break down teams, we did depend on somebody doing something pretty magical to give us something. Whereas it felt against Cardiff that we just decided to score a couple. Now, I know obviously you sort of think, well, why not do that in the first half at the second half? But I do think that it was, as Rob says, a matter of playing nice football and putting the ball in the back of the net rather than needing something I, magical. I, see, I think, I think. look at the second man, he essentially is trying to do something else. The ball ricochets a bit, he bursts through and then it is, it's a terrific finish, but it's almost a finish of a lad who's like, I've just had enough of this, I'm, I'm blaming it into <laughs> the bottom corner. Like, yeah, it's fair. That I've had enough yeah. of this and I'm just doing that. And my thing is that, I, you know, I, I can take, so like, so the first the first goal comes from waves of Liverpool attacking. The second one comes from a ricochet where we then force it through and put it in the bottom corner. Second so I take third, your, though. But I take the point on the third and fourth, Rob. But, yeah, sorry, yeah. But you're, but, but you're not... My my issue with this is, you mentioned the Brighton game. Brighton aren't far away from getting a late equaliser. They're not far away from getting a late equaliser because Liverpool mm. haven't gone 2-0 when they've gone 1-0. When they score, I'm not bothered by them scoring. Like I genuinely was like, yeah, they've got their one and they've got a bit of luck and it's soft and that was always the way we were going to concede. But there's every chance, what if that Manny shot strikes the post and comes back out and then they make it 1-1 and now suddenly they've got everything to hang on to again. And that ground feels like a very different place and those footballers feel like very different footballers. It's, it's, it's a lot harder to go, come on, lad, let's go bring the margin off when you've gone 1-0 to 1-1 than it is 2-0 to 2-1. You know what I mean? I suppose it depends, as ever, what happens next. On Liverpool sides of the past, we're used to the fact that if they didn't kill off games, they would, three out of five times, allow a team back into a game. Um, we they've just, they've just had a, a fortunate-ish victory at 1-0 against Huddersfield. Yeah. Where they, where they never looked like making it. Yeah, we didn't play well in that game. I mean, that's, that's, to me, that's a different conversation, that game. And I, I, don't, I don't think we played well in that game at all. I, I thought I thought in the past week, the two games at Anfield, we've shown, we've been not back to our very best, but we've shown that quality we have to be able to take games away from teams at the key moments in those games. Um, as I said, you, you do have to look at the game as a body of work. And I know there was a point at which we're vulnerable. And the, I, I take your point about the Mane goal, but 
we finished the game so strongly, and it's not just, and they're not two fluky goals in, in, in extra time. They're, they're just such strong goals of a team that yeah. understands what it has to and do the, against the, the weaker the, side. The fourth goal is reminiscent of some of the best football last season. All of a sudden, you've got some space. I mean, Mane's desire really to, to run, I think it was something like 70 yards to get on the ball on the way to pass from Salah. But again, it's, it's just having that space to operate. The game's completely opened up by then. Cardiff are actually absolutely shattered by that yeah. point in the game as well. So there's obviously a lot more space. Um, I, I, th- I think just generally speaking, you know, a four nil, a four, a four one win at home, you've just got to take it. Um, and Car- Cardiff at home will there'll always, be worse days. There'll be, there'll be, there will be worse days, and there's going to be staying at t- uh, tasks ahead. I mean, going to Arsenal next week, I expect Liverpool to suddenly play with a higher tempo, be more convincing, ha- have more intent about them. Um, on, on Saturday, it was, it was disappointing in the first half. There wasn't that tempo. There was a, an air of complacency. But I, again, just to restate, I think that's more down to the quality of the opposition rather than any failings in the Liverpool side. I think what you saw, to be fair, maybe 2-1 and certainly a 3-1 is, is, is maybe what Neil's talking about and the fact that the game is stretched. And if Liverpool can get that second goal early on, the game all of a sudden is stretched from 15, 20 minutes in and, and, and Liverpool can... It's not about goal difference at the moment. I mean, that's that's a conversation that's a for me. That's, point, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's just about getting that feeling of putting the ball in the back of the net and that's ultimately what Liverpool need to do if they're going to win this Premier League. Yeah, I think I, I think that there's lots of truth in in all of that. I think, and I think you're absolutely right about it. it's not about goal difference at this point. But it's also I was I was quite surprised. We're only seven behind City. I think goal difference wise. Mm. I thought Don't the way play people were reacting. Tonight, well, right? no, but, but yeah. you know, I, I still think I, <laughs> famous last words. But I don't think that this Tottenham will concede five or whatever it was. And I think the Wembley pitch isn't going to let City play the glorious way that they want to. But the, but the way people have been going on about goal difference, I thought we were about 20 behind them. Yeah. But I think when you bear in mind the teams we've played and the teams they've Absolutely. played, I yeah. think only only being seven behind them actually isn't that bad because we've got all of those those dross teams to yeah. come. But, so, but also, Adam, I mean, you know, I think we would all agree around the table right now that, you know, we can be 20 behind them, but if we're level on points with yeah. them with four games to go, we'd all take that. We'd yeah. all take that. Level on points with them, four games to go and 20 goals behind them. All right, sounds. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's yeah, it's I, I don't know. I think it's just really interesting to see how this develops. And I, and I would I think Chris's point before about be, you know the goal towards the end of the half. It it it, just, it feels at the moment like Klopp's sort of saying I, w- I want you to come in two 0 or more at half time. Not really bothered how you go out and do it. it. Like it feels a little bit like that. So that they're playing within themselves and then they're getting to five minutes before half time and going. Oh, we're still only one here. We better push on for the last five. Playing within themselves, um, Mike. I think you can make an argument that Mane, Salah, Firmino, they can play within themselves. Uh, you can maybe make an argument that at the minute Gini Wijnaldum can play within himself, Virgil van Dijk can play within himself. Um, Lallana hasn't got that luxury for me. He's a no, footballer who's trying to find himself at the minute and find it, his place back in this team. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's never been a player that's been blessed with a lot of pace, um, nice on the ball. You know, in an ideal world, it would be good to, to to think of him as an option that we can drop into midfield all all through the season. He has been out a hell of a long time, and I think it was January before he was reintroduced last week that he that he played a league fixture. Um, but he, he sort of feels a little bit like yesterday's man in this team. Um, even last season when Liverpool were playing fast attacking football, he. He's good in one sense, and he, he can slow the game down when you need a little bit of possession, when you're under pressure, when you want to take a little bit of time out of the game. But when you're looking for that extra degree of tempo, that surge of pace, he just hasn't. He just hasn't got it. He, ne- he never really had it. Um, but his ability to drive through that middle third of the f- middle third of the field seems to have just eluded him. That could be just down to lack of confidence. 
he feels like he's playing his way back. 60 minutes is important to this stage, but there is a sense that we've seen the best of Adam Lallana, I think. Um, and it's just a question of really, of really playing in, in games like that where you can probably just get away with somebody who's just not operating at full pelt. I think if he's 23... You give him the year. To, he's, I mean, he's been out for best part of eighteen he's months. Pushing thirty, yeah. He, I think he's, he's turned thirty. 30 yeah, mm. he's been out for best part of eighteen months. It's unreasonable for us to expect us to get peak Adam Lallana back now, and it's not, and not, and that's not actually to do with his age, just because it's what it takes. I mean, Joan Gomez is world class at the moment after his year out with the uh, with the, the ligament injury. He barely looks an under twenty three player for six six eight months. He really, I mean, and in the FA Cup games he was blooded in. You couldn't believe that he would go back to his former trajectory. Lalana, it's just whether he's going to be afforded the luxury of the year of rehabilitation, whether he's going to get enough football. He, and by the time he has completed it, he may find himself heading towards thirty two, and the squad moving on and on. So it's it's unfortunate for him. I'm not writing him off too much. I mean, I thought there was at times where. He, People were seeing him as the most, becoming the most important player on our side, and I was sort of slight over-egging it. He was never never near the, the level of our front three or front four, but I still think he's got a role to play here. Uh, I think it's, it's useful that we've got players now coming in in his position, like Shakiri and Nabi Keita, so we can we can bed him in or do without him. I, I I agree completely with Mike's point about he feels like yesterday's man. I I, th- I think this football team has evolved past him now. I think when when he was at his best was when it was the pressing Liverpool team that was, you know, that, that, that was closing down and he was leading the press and everyone talked about how important he was and blah, blah, blah. Whereas this team now at its best feels like a counter-attacking team more than anything else. And it feels like one where pace is crucial and and he's never had pace. So I, I, I don't know how he gets up to speed with this team because he's not going to suddenly find pace with every... Pa- I can tell you, I'm not getting any faster as I get older, so I don't imagine he is. <laughs> so I, I think there, there was that moment, wasn't there, with the... There was a counter, I think it was Mane and Salah bursting forward and the pass was made to Lalana, and everything stopped dead because he just didn't have the pace to keep up. It's the getting away from people thing, which I don't think, I think three years ago, Chris, the criticism was he, he, he does find it a little difficult to get away from people. Now it gets harder and harder. And so, you know, I, the other thing I think as well is, is that that idea of sort of a, getting a run of games to get back into his legs. I remember last season, he, he starts at Burnley and I think he does quite well. I think I thought he did all right at Huddersfield, to be honest with you. He starts at Burnley and I thought he did quite well. But then the next game was the derby against Everton in the Cup where he was pretty anonymous. And then he struggled to get himself back and another couple of, a, a knock here and there. It's it's the idea of, you know, what? how does he build what he, a foundation to spring from if he is going to do that yeah, now? He, he's ultimately a squad player now. I don't know, Jürgen Klopp would say that there are no squad players and everybody's got an important role to play, but you only have to look at the fact that he was obviously very much in for Nabil Fakir in the summer. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is his long-term option in that midfield situation and you just feel, even if Adam Lallana does get up to speed this season, then hopefully Oxlade-Chamberlain will be back next season. Liverpool will probably have added that Coutinho replacement that was meant to be for Kia. Where does that leave him then? So can Liverpool necessarily afford to spend a year on a on a project getting Lallana back up to, to fitness that he, and produce the performances that he can when they might ultimately be the ones to benefit long-term? Can I ask you a mean question? Go on. Um, would you rather Curtis Jones started the, that game against Cardiff City than Adam Lallana? Not at the moment, no. Not at the moment. I can see where you're coming from and I am probably Curtis's biggest advocate but I just feel like there's th- th- there is still a Premier League title to win and ultimately thrown in a 17 year old there is not the time so they were even against Cardiff at home Okay um, the sub 
Uh, I'll come back to you actually, Chris. Uh, as I've asked you a mean question last year, a lovely one. Uh, the sub uh, where he brings Shakiri on. There was two things. Two things I noticed on this. One was he sent three of them out to warm up at half time, which he doesn't do very often. Normally they're all in the dressing room together, which again I think maybe for, visits the idea that he was looking to do it. The other thing that happens as well is it, he's trying to do a bang on the hour, which again you don't see very often. It felt very much like some something's been said somewhere, like he's getting fifteen minutes here before I change it, and there it was. Um, and then, as I said before, I thought the difference between not just Shakiri and Alana, but Shakiri and what it felt like most of Liverpool's other mid mid players who end up playing in the middle of the pitch, and so I don't just include midfielders, was the sheer eagerness uh, from Shakiri to want the football at all times. He's a buzzsaw, isn't he? He's he's he's, he's just like a little Rottweiler, just rabid sometimes. And and he is playing, and it does sound quite cliche, but he's playing like a player who has almost got his final chance at a big club here and, and he's going to seize it as much as possible. I think he's more than aware of the things that people have said about him in the summer. Me? <laughs> Charlie, Adam and you. I mean, they, 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 <laughs> what do you mean Charlie have got in common? <laughs> what company? That and all of a fried egg on a lasagna. <laughs> so I think he's well aware of that. I also think he's probably enjoying playing in a good football team. Bear in mind, he's had for the past three or four years, he's had Mark Hughes as a manager, he's had Paul Lambert. He's probably just enjoying playing for a manager who's actually, you know, quite intelligent, knows exactly how to get the best out of him and, and has given him specific instructions rather than just, you stand on that wing, we'll give the ball to you and you just whip it in onto that big fella's head. I just feel like he's relishing the fact that he's 26 years of age and he's actually got instruction and a plan going forward in his career now. I, I think Klopp's done a job on a number on him psychology where he's uh, relaxed him and energised him in equal measure. I think he's told him, you're not going to dislodge my front three as a first 11 player, but you're going to play an awful lot of football. And I really believe in you. And I've followed you since Munich. And I know you can contribute to this team. How much is dependent on you? And I think Klopp's delivered that message. And you can just you just see the look on his face from the day you walk through the door here. That's what he's bought into. Just before he scores, he... he tiptoes through midfield trying to jump on his back and everything to stop him there's a really straightforward ball to feed Mane and put Mane in to be honest with you Mike and he doesn't play it and then he tips, tiptoes through the def- through the penalty area in exactly the same way he just tip- tiptoed through the midfield so it is you know it's a it's a rough with smooth sort of scenario with him every now and again there but it was a lovely goal and it was also it was rewards as much for the work he's done in all the games leading up to this point, as it was for the work done in this game, I felt like. And it was nice he got it in front of the cop, and it was nice. I was actually pleased to see him turn around, do the thing where he points to his name on his back. You know what I mean? He deserves that for everything he's done so far. Yeah, he's got a real presence about him. I, I like the way he just he, he plays with his head up. Um, he's, when he gets on the ball, he's all about vision and guile and creativity. Uh, he can see a pass. He can see a pass probably better than any player any player in this Liverpool side. And I think there's a case really for in that type of home game when you're gonna when you're gonna get that amount of possession, very little threat from the opposition for him starting. Um, because he gives the midfield a completely different um a different a different look and far more creative feel. I think where we've struggled, where we struggled in the early parts of the season when people were beginning to obsess over the fact that we, we, we haven't quite hit our straps, um the midfield was purely functional. And I said at the start of the season when he came in, with people talking about him being this auxiliary striker. I never really saw him in that that sense. I, I prefer him coming from deep, where he's got the whole game in front of him, because he's just got that ability to see passes. And um, obviously, the, the goal itself it just shows how, how devilish he can be in the box. And that that body swerve. I mean, not many players have got that, and the precision of the finish as well. I mean, he, you know, he's a re- he, he's a brilliant addition. And I, I think of all the players that Klopp has signed given that Kais has been out uh, with injury, he's the one that's pressing to become more of a first-team regular rather than someone who just comes in from time to time. 
Milner, um, I think, impresses as well. But I want to talk about the central midfield too in a minute, Adam. But Milner, you got to see, again, he does him for Firmino, which I thought was interesting. He does it again, bang on 70, which is not very Klopp-like. It, it, it feels either either programmed or, again, as there was something being said in the dressing room, like, this is what I'm going to do here uh, at half-time. But Milner comes on and... While he goes into, you know, obviously for me, you know, it's the, in theory we've taken an attacker off, but I just thought we just seemed more dangerous uh, from the point that Milner came on. We just seemed to have, we seemed to have someone arriving rather than someone already being present, if you know what I mean. And Cardiff were quite happy to deal with people who were present, but didn't like the idea of movement. Yeah, and I think it, it, from, I suppose from the player's point of view, if, if if you're sitting in the stands and going, this is really frustrating, we should be taking the game, we should be really trying to force the issue here, then... I can't, I can't imagine how professional footballers must be thinking, you know, God, thinking, God, if I was on the pitch, why aren't they running at them? Why aren't they attacking them? Why aren't they putting the defence under pressure? So it, it does make complete sense that the two subs who come on do exactly that and do it in a really uh, straightforward manner. Uh, just turn it back to Shakiri for one minute. I, the, b- before he did the little point to the back thing, one of the things that I really enjoyed was he pointed straight to uh, Salah for the ball, like a, a real kind of, you know, me and you, we did that together type thing, which I think is a sign if he's a player that, was playing with god-awful players at Stoke. And now he's come here and he's playing with loads of people and he doesn't have to do it all himself anymore. Um, but and, and, and Milner, I think, is just... that He's the sort of player who, you know, he's just an incredibly intelligent footballer and he's a footballer that has played with... with Also played with a lot of good players throughout his career and knows how to work in a way that will help people get the, the best out of them. And, he, and, and actually, Firmino... I, I, I've got a theory that the reason Liverpool's attack is really not clicking at the moment is because Firmino's not clicking for some reason. I don't know what's going on with him, but it I feels agree. like something's not clicking with him. Yeah. And uh, and Milner came on and almost did the sort of stuff that Firmino was doing last season, if you see what I mean, and moving into spaces that defenders don't really want him to move into because they're going to act that, that he then occupies them. Um, so it, that was it was really good to see them both come on and go. This is what you should have been doing for the last hour or hour and 10 minutes or whatever, and then doing it. Do you think Firmino struggles against the poorer opposition? I do don't, think... I don't. I think he's struggling. He certainly got more, they tend to double up on him a lot, don't they? Um, so he's being denied space, he wants to forage, and that's why I think you, you, you see him drop deep quite regularly. He seems to be dropping deeper this season than, than last when he, was, yeah. when he was operating as a bona fide centre-forward. And I think just seeing him in those deeper areas is just his way of trying to escape the attention that he's been, he's been given by, by uh, this sort of mass defence and two defenders on him at once. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think there's something in that. I mean, he he's played the game at a, a great intensity now for a number of months, and in the World Cup's no real. There's no respite there, and a couple of weeks or so off afterwards. If ever there's a case for doing an Alex Ferguson saying just just go to the beach for another three weeks, we will. You know, if we can find the right little run of fixtures, I think we probably could. I think he almost needs that. Um, he's am- amazingly still managing to keep his hand in with a goal here or there, but he, but he hasn't been the same force. There's no hiding that. I think there's also a change of system, which doesn't actually play to his strengths here. I think if Liverpool are going to this double pivot, 4-2-3-1, um, sure. that, that they're going for, he's almost playing as a number 10, as mm-hmm. it is with Salah advanced from him. And it just feels, if you take away that 4-3-3, that is ultimately what he was last season. He was the leader. He was the, what Lallana was a couple of seasons ago. Leader of the press, the person who basically initiates all the attacks. If you move him out of that position, he's not necessarily the, the greatest goal scorer, which sounds crazy because he scored 27 last season, but he's not that 
typical number nine that that system maybe needs and deserves. I think he's being played differently. I've I, I commented earlier in the season. I thought Brighton almost built a little pentagram. Uh, pentagon, sorry, pentagram. Something that was used in witchcraft. Pentagon is the shape. They built a little penta, pentagon around him where it was. There's the two centre halves. There's two holders, and even the, the lad who plays in front, the block and the path it pass into him. But the other thing I was thinking about, and Stu Wright mentioned to me on text um, after the Cardiff game, is this idea that he plays on the centre half. He moves to create space, gives the centre half a question to answer. I wonder, Chris, if the opposition defenders have answered that question pre-match, where they've gone, don't go with him. Yeah, exactly. Don't if, go with him. Yeah, if he, if, he, if he goes for a little wonder, you just stay where you are. And then he's in space on the left-hand side. What's he going to do? You know, so the fullback comes to him, for example. And 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 so if he beats the fullback, but then he's got two centre-backs and another defensive player to, to beat. So I think there's, a, you know, Teams have had a season to to not work Liverpool out because Liverpool have won eight and drawn two, but they've had a season to to watch them and to and, work out their plan to exactly, deal with Liverpool. Exactly, and you know people talk about Liverpool in general and their sort of maybe stunted start of the season. At, you know, in, at times we've got to remember that you know there's a, there's a year's worth of evidence here to to work with for opposition sides. He's he's not ahead of the play the way he was last year. Might make the point about being deeper, and I, I do think that's true. And you know, you said with the four-two-three-one system, but even though we, even when we haven't played that, though he's not ahead of the play. He's only I can only think of Tottenham have been really arriving in the six-yard box. Uh, but most we talk about him being first in the press. Most of his pressing actually was coming from behind the man as they were coming out. Firmino would be at snapping at people's heels. He wasn't facing goal when he's, he's facing his own goal whilst pressing and he's nicking balls away from people. Mm. So he is deeper, and I think it's. I think every there's truth in everything that's been said here. I think people have sat down and go, "There's a secret to Liverpool. We gave the full, we let the fullbacks have the ball last year, and that didn't work." Uh, shutting down the wide areas, and for example, Trent's being shut down a lot this season. That's why it's all coming through Andy Robbo, I mm. think. And I think I think shutting shutting Firmino out, putting Firmino out of business, is that is possibly the next big move. But I do think there's an energy issue here as well. Uh, it does sort of remind me of the idea that the way you stop Cristiano Ronaldo is to stop people passing to him the way you stop Mo Salah is to stop Roberto Firmino getting on the ball uh, could well be uh, something that's, that, that, that's gone through some analysts' minds over the summer their goal Mike is it's alright for it to be one of them I'm not at all grumpy about their goal I think that you know literally you play endless games of football occasionally something like this might have happened it was always likely to be the sort of goal that we conceded in the league it was if it wasn't going to be someone like Man City pulling us apart against a, a poorer side it was always going to be something that looks a bit like that or is a 25 yard thunderbolt it wasn't it wasn't likely to be anything it was a bit else. scruffy I mean you're not going to you're not going to uh, go through a whole season without conceding a goal at some point and you know goals goals just happen from time to time I actually think one of the things that hasn't been picked up on much uh, in the press and the analysis uh, over the weekend is actually think Van Dijk's a little bit sloppy mm-hmm. with, with the intervention um, deflects it into the fellow's path um, I just think he reacts a little bit slow and thinking back to last week's game against Huddersfield when a cross evades him as well um, we get caught up in the Van Dijk thing and he's imperious on the ball so, you know, in the first half on Saturday he was the thing, he was the person that sort of gave me a bit of a highlight in the way that he was ambling forward and getting involved in the attack but all defenders do, do do make mistakes. And as I said, I just thought he was a little bit slow, slow to react to the way the ball came across. Although Moreno, again, without wishing to get on his back, he has a nice, a nice run out. Um, but his decision to sort of go in for a ball that wasn't quite there was what precipitated that in the first place. I, I, I think that's fair. But I do think that we see both 
Trent and Robertson do that every single week, running in to get a ball, and then it's not quite there. It makes it past them, but it's cleaned up, so we never talk about it. And because it's Moreno, it becomes a thing where, oh, he's, he's jumped in there, he's running. Well, the other defenders do it all the time because Klopp wants them to get the ball because if they get it, if he got it there, we're on the counter straight away. And we, we see it week in, week out with the other fullbacks that play, but we never talk about it because when they make a mistake or when they don't get the ball or whatever, somebody cleans up. I completely agree with you about Van Dijk. And I, I think there's got to come a point at which people... After we can accept that he is easily our best defender, arguably one of the best defenders in the world, and sometimes does something a bit shit. And because I've I've seen people bend over backwards to defend him for that, saying, "Oh, the ball, the ball went too fast. He he couldn't possibly see it." Blah blah. blah. He's just a bit lazy with it, and he and he's done that a couple of times. There's been things where he's just been a little bit. And the the thing is that is part that not the lazy, but the the sort of chilled out attitude is part of what makes him such a brilliant central de- central defender but then sometimes there'll be occasions when that chilled out nature means he doesn't quite get a foot on the ball and and i think that it, it, it he's just he's just a bit sloppy with it because i think he's got a bit you know they're, well they're never scoring are they because they haven't even been in our box yet so what they're going to do and and i think it's it's just a it's like a comedy of errors that moreno jumps in because that's what the fullbacks have been doing from time to time he doesn't get the ball the goalkeeper maybe could do a bit better. It feels a little bit like it goes between his arms. I, I, I don't know. I've seen other people say he does nothing he could do, so I'm not going to nail me yeah, mast, you know, nail me colours to the mast on that one. But it just feels like it's a goal that comes... And the frustrating thing about it is, why did it have to be a dreadfully shite Cardiff team that are the ones that score the goal at Anfield when we played Man City and survived a penalty scare? It, that, that's where you're a bit like, oh, fuck off. But we won. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, well, exactly. It's good yeah, for the other end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, on Van Dyke, I just feel like that's probably one of Klopp and his training staff's biggest uh, remit is just to make sure he's he's engaged for ninety minutes. Because when the game comes so easily to somebody, it can be you know natural to to switch off. As you say, he's probably thought I've had these in my back pocket all day. I haven't even broken a sweat. Oh, you know, it's two one. You know, it's just it's just that sort of that sort of thing with Van Dyke. You know, no no concerns over him. I uh, would you attack him? Like if you were to sell your Arsenal next weekend, let's say you were going to play Gomez and Van Dijk, where where on the pitch would you attack? I would. I probably I can see why you're saying this. I probably go for Gomez in the hope that Van Dijk is going to try and clean up alongside them and then utilize the space that Van Dijk vacates. But there's also an argument there of your Arsenal get Lacazette and Aubameyang around. Van Dijk because he won't have had two players of that quality around him for a very long time coming at coming at him, you know. I'd, I'm, I've, I have a thing that I'd, I that Van Dijk so much wants to play on the cover that that's that's his game. That you know, I think I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of sides now come up against us and think Trent. He's a 19 year old fullback. Gomez slash Lovren. Well, Lovren's got a mistake in him. Gomez, what's all that about? And they go down that side, and that sort of means that you're creating down that side and looking for people to arrive on the other side. For me, it's no, it's no accident. Napoli's goal is created on their right, our left, and finished going the other way. Almost have the idea of, you know, flip what's the usual way of going about things. I I if I honestly if I was setting up a side to play a good side to play against Liverpool, I'd have the idea of see if you can cause them problems down their left and then capitalise on the right. Whereas I think most sides come to faces, they do the opposite. But I think that plays into both Van Dyke and Robertson's ability to play brilliantly on the cover. Uh, and plays onto the idea that Gomez actually wants to engage you, if you know what I mean. I mean I'm just just intrigued. Go on. 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, we were previewing Arsenal. I, mean, I was just, I was just remembering that Emery, Emery's the guy who works us out at half time in in Basel and and, and works out what to do to Liverpool side. So Attack down the left hand side. Yeah, eighteen seconds as well. I think, I think it's look. It really depends how bold he wants to be. Does he want to? Does he want to commit numbers against us? I think you can, you can test the be, the best defenders in the world. And Van Dijk is one of the very best defenders in the world. If you're prepared to do it with numbers, they might have had a little look at Liverpool and go. Everyone thinks, you know, the the, the the adage is that Liverpool are vulnerable in the air. They just aren't vulnerable in the air. We score, we're scoring more from set pieces than anyone else. And Van Dijk will head balls away all day long. So don't put it in the air. Get it on the deck. Maybe try and pin the centre-halves down with the two centre-forwards and try and run in behind Ozil and others and midfielders. Maybe that's the way to do it. But Liverpool can go the other way. And that's what they've got to think about. Um, it was nice for Arsenal to drop points just going and talking about other sides. Uh, Mike, uh, nice that Liverpool get the fourth, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I think, I mean, of... Rob and I were talking about this before. It was, um, had they won yesterday, they'd have been going into next week's game thinking that they can actually overtake us in the league, which would... Would have felt slightly uncomfortable for us going into that. Would have given them uh, real sort of ambition going into to the, to the game. So handy. Um, but I, I think Liverpool, the, as I said before, the, you, you see the, the the true metal of this Liverpool team when they're up against superior opposition. Um, I mean, I expect us to go there and take the game to Arsenal, get on the front foot. Um, Arsenal looked quietly impressive without actually playing anyone of uh, of any real repute of late. Um, and I think you know going into next week, I think you know it's, it's a much stiffer test for them going forward as well as at the back. I think sorry, I was just, I think this is Liverpool defence's hardest test so far this season, harder than City and harder than Chelsea, just because I feel like it's set up to deal with teams like Chelsea and City as best they can. I just think like Arsenal going forward is just disorganised chaos, and it's. Liverpool can can deal with an Aguero because they know exactly what he's going to do. He does it very, very well, but they know what they're getting from it because they know Pep Guardiola's got this plan. Likewise, Sarri with with Hazard, etc. With with Arsenal, it just feels at the moment a little bit like Liverpool 2013-14 where it's just, we don't know what's going to happen, but we get the ball to that front two. Ezel's pulling the strings behind. You've got Ramsey running in. Absolutely anything could happen and that's where Liverpool are probably going to have their biggest test so far. Um They've dropped points, though, Adam, this weekend, which I said before is nice. Chelsea don't want to let them go in anywhere. Um, it is, you know, it's it's Burnley away on paper, difficult um, to have vanquished them as emphatically as they did. Uh, I mean, it suggests that maybe Burnley are sort of finding the season a little bit tougher than, than, than some would have expected. But, for instance, I'm not looking forward to us going there uh, midweek in December. I'm looking forward to going to Burnley, but I'm not looking forward to, to that game and the way in which it'll play out. I think there is, you know, Chelsea look like they're going to... They're certainly going to be able to trade blows for a while into this season, and they win. They win at the weekend without Hazard. Yeah, I think. I think it's really fascinating how much, uh, as football fans, and I wonder how much football clubs do it as well. That you hold on to the idea from last season of what a football club is. And um, I think Burnley's a really good example of that, that. That last season they were just, you know, they were grinding out one nils, weren't they? They were defensively solid and blah blah blah. This season they they have not looked good at all, and I think that Europa League campaign has really caused them a lot more problems than they than they thought it would and so they haven't got into their swing of things yet it, it, you know it's never a fun place to go but when you're seeing Chelsea put you know what was it four five past them I can't remember what it was four uh, four past them you, you know you're thinking well maybe they're all right now I, I agree I, I think as with so many other things it's it's the timing of when it happens isn't it December isn't going to be a fun time to go there because it's going to be freaking freezing and uh, not nobody's going to be particularly enjoying themselves and all that sort of stuff um I, I, it's it's interesting with Chelsea. I, I expected it to take a lot longer for Sarri to get what he wanted them to do going, actually. And I, I'm, I'm intrigued that they've clicked as quickly as they have. 
Um, and whereas Arsenal, I think Arsenal are a lot like us at the start of last season where they're, they're electric going forward, but they are all over the show at the back. And I, I'm really interested to... I, I think in what I was saying before about Klopp seems to be teaching them how to win without having to go 100 miles an hour, I think our best performances have come against Spurs and PSG because they're, they're two teams where you have to be on it from the word go to get a result against them. And I thought we were brilliant against Spurs. We, I mean, we, we could have been 4-0 up at halftime. It was really ridiculous that we didn't win really by fair more. Comment. Um, City, I think, is, was a bit of a... It was a curatech of a match all round because of both teams, with the way they played. So I'm not quite saying that... But I still thought we were on it. I think it was a fast game. I think we were good. But And, and I actually think Mike was right when, before when he said about the Chelsea game as well. But against the top teams, we're going into it playing electric to, you know, and, and, and keeping the pace up for the whole match. It's the lesser teams that we're dropping off when, we, when we've already got the lead. So I'm, I'm excited about the Arsenal match because I, I agree with Mike. I think we'll take the game to them. And I, I'm, I'm interested to know what, whether their defence can handle it. I think, there's, I think there's a key point to which you play all teams. The, 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 the proverbial there's a good time to play people is, is absolutely huge. I often look, I often yeah, look I at teams on momentum and I think we've got them in a month. Let them just pull up short a week or two before they play us. I think that was a gift from the gods what happened at Palace there. And I may live to regret these words, but I think that <laughs> is the that equalised by Palace is the moment that secures our win at the Emirates <laughs> next week. I'll tell you what, tempting stuff, the that. fucking fate. <laughs> You're tempting all the fate in the world, mm-hmm. all the fate in the world. They've got a week to prepare, Rob, uh, for that, for that Arsenal game yeah. as well. I think that's another thing to point out, you know. And uh, With... For, it's difficult to be fair to Fabinho and Wijnaldum because Cardiff did not want midfield to exist um, against us, uh, mm. which you know is, is a way to play football, I suppose. Um, they didn't want midfield to exist particularly. It's also interesting that they rested. Well, they said Arta had a knock, uh, but I suspect if it was next week's game, this week Arta would have been fit enough to have played. I think they've they've, they've cotton walled him uh, for, mm. uh, for, for. I think they've got uh, Leicester or Brighton at home uh, next week. There's something in. Um, in the in it being difficult to discuss when Alderman and Fabinho in the in the in the context of the game because of the way in which it played out, I didn't feel it was quite as as exciting as it had been against Belgrade. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But possibly it was, as you said, it wasn't really the game for that. Um, for Fabinho, it was a bit after the Lord Mayor's show, wasn't it? He was. He... <sighs> buzzing but yet not quite let off the leash enough and I couldn't and when Alden was sort of slightly moved I, I, I thought from here from his best position as as the singular pivot and no I don't think that he like it's, it's hard I mean I think in those sort of roles you, you can't look like a Rolls Royce every week sometimes you just go through the motions we're looking for, for, for problems that aren't there I thought they're both fine I mean if Henderson well, and Milner get through a game like that and you go did you notice them no great we won but when we flip side question is becomes do you expect Henderson and Milner to start against Arsenal uh, what? Oh, I don't. In the context of the Milner, Milner definitely starts against Arsenal. I think. Um, yeah, I think. I. I, I don't. I think his. I think if you ask Klopp, it's you know it's the last game on this on, on planet Earth, and you've got to win it. And who's your best number six? I think he goes on current form. It's Ginny Wijnaldum. So I think he'd probably go. But but then again, he's playing a top side, so he wants security. So if Henderson's fit, and that is an if at this stage, if if he feels Henderson trains all week, looks great, then I think he goes Henderson, Milner, and Wijnaldum. He goes for security. He goes for the things that served us well earlier in the season. And the thing that served us well at the end of last season. Yeah, I think of course. Goes, I think the highest goes, level. I think he goes European away. Uh, yeah. And just we're going to hunt them um, if if Henderson's fit. Um, City Spurs tonight. Uh, so we're recording this well in the morning. Um, I, I asked this question last week. I'm going to ask it again. You can play God. What do you want the score to be? 
Um, well, definitely once uh, you know, Spurs win, don't we? Spurs win, yeah, yeah. I want to Spurs win. Yeah, seven nil Spurs. Seven nil Spurs. Excellent stuff. Break city uh, spirit a bit. Yeah, I, I like I've it. I've seen the pitch. Just the, the pitch looks looks tremendous. What, what, uh, what's happened to it? Is so it American football? It's American football yeah. because the Tottenham Stadium wasn't built in time. They've had to have three. NFL games on consecutive weekends getting played there. The last one, which was Sunday, and it just looks like a, a, a plough field right through the middle, which is obviously very disappointing for Pep Guardiola when he's side play all the way through the middle. Well, it was interesting with that um, that when we went there, I thought Tottenham were really direct uh, against us, and I think that that's only going to intensify. Yeah, I, think, uh, this. I, think, I think it's City have got the second shortest pass distance this season and the most passes, whereas Tottenham are like fifth and fifth. So it's yeah, it's very much a, a different different two two different styles, two different styles coming up against each other. Uh, really looking forward to watching that one tonight. Uh, obviously, I mentioned uh, in passing there, I did mention Leicester City. Uh, everyone in football is thinking about them. There's a very nice statement from Liverpool Football Club's owners on. Liverpool website which is worth looking at if you're looking for people who voice the right sentiments and do it very very well uh, that's there for you if you want to see that sort of thing and more and more information is going to come out and we'll be uh, talking to somebody I think uh, as the week wears on uh, on the Anfield wrap uh, all the shows are available for you this week £5 a month if you want to listen to uh, our subscribing material we'll have Coach Holmes uh, we've got a, a review of Liverpool versus Cardiff and then we're going to be beginning, beginning to look at Arsenal which feels like an enormous fixture uh, next weekend half five kickoff uh, for that one Arsenal versus Liverpool uh, just a quick man of the match I'm going Manny purely because he scores two goals two goals is a thing yeah um, I, I think it was Mo Salah but I think he played very very well we haven't had time to talk about it but he was his instinct back again I, well, I just think everything he did I think his link play everything he did I think he was quietly brilliant okay uh, yeah I agree I, I would give a shout out to Shakiri though because I just think he's really I think we, one of the things that I had a chat with Mo Stewart on Twitter um, and what he was saying about one of the things that's slowing us down is moves breaking down uh, because passes are just being overhit and underhit and Shakiri seems to be hitting, you know, 90% of his passes perfectly weighted. So, uh, you know, a special commendation. Chris? Uh, Salah, just because he looked a little bit more like the Salah of mm-hmm. last season, floating around, popping up left, right. But I did like Manny's finish for the year fourth. He hasn't really busted out that finish for Liverpool yet. So, He's unlucky there. So and and just another finish. There were great finishes. Yeah, really great finishes. Yep, kicking the ball in the goal hard. Uh, <laughs> always is worth something. The most underrated thing in football. Thank you very much to Mike, to Rob, to Adam and to Chris. It has been your Anfield Wrap in association with Reds Bet this week. Take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.